Today, we are live from New York City, and we are here to discuss the taking of an extreme comic book and making it into an extreme film, and that's what we are doing with Bloodstrike. The proof of concept footage has dropped. I'm going to talk to you about the amazing talent, the amazing director behind all of it. And we're going to get into that, an extreme comic into an extreme movie. It's about time. We have some sad news to report with the passing of comic book great, a titan of the comic book industry, Mr. Keith Giffen. I was privileged to follow his work when he first hit the scene as a fan and then to work with him for years in a professional capacity, including the fact that he wrote books like Bloodstrike for Extreme Studios. So we are going to give a giant tribute to Keith Giffen and, and, and hopefully send him off in style, wishing him all the best and all you all the very best on a brand new edition of Observations. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld here at Observations. We talk all things comic books, superheroes, the incredible transformation they've, they've had from, uh, you know, the, the newsstands, the spinner racks to the giant IMAX super screens, the, your, your, your streaming platforms on your HD, you know, 4K home, home, home theaters, just everything in between. The video games, the action figures, so many action figures. We talk, we talk all about it uh, from my unique perspective of having collected comics since I was seven years old to then becoming a comic book professional at 18 years old. And my journey is both a, a fan and, and, and a professional. We have covered all manner of topics uh, 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 across these many seasons of observations. I am so thankful that you guys hang out with me. I'm so thankful that you uh, share your time with me. I am coming to you from New York City today. This is uh, being. Uh, taped in my hotel room. Hopefully the acoustics hold up. I've got a, a terrific in- engineer and producer in Reed and he crushes it. And I, and, and I just uh, hope, hope very much that, that this sounds halfway decent. But again, I'm in beautiful Manhattan overlooking uh, the gorgeous Central Park as I, as I uh, record this particular episode. We're going to do a memorial of an, of an amazing talent who passed while I've been here in the city prepared to attend New York Comic Con. Uh, the tremendous, uber talented, mega sensation known as Keith Giffen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that at the end of today's episode. This is gonna be a quick episode overall, but uh, my 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 normally regular regularly scheduled topics I've kind of shifted around and changed so that we can shine a, shine a spotlight on the amazing contributions uh, to a titan of this industry, Mr. Keith Giffen, who has passed at 70 years old. So just hang on tight and i i just want to say so many great things about keith that the, the thing that i was talking about uh, a few seconds ago about how, how how we've been you know talking all the different eras and over three seasons i i chuckle because uh on a recent episode when i discussed some some of the topics uh, uh somebody in, in, in left a comment and said Hey man, you're talking about news that's 40 years old. It was it was the recent episode about the period in 1984 when DC Comics called up Marvel and asked them to to consider publishing their books. It's a great episode. It's a slice of history uh, straight from the editor in chief at the time at Marvel Comics, Mr. Jim Shooter, who I who I have just tremendous admiration for. He uh, 
He shared this story a while back, and like everything, I kind of wonder when is the right time to swoop in and share share these stories. And and it just felt like last week was was the perfect time. And someone's response to it, like, "Hey, man, don't you know you're sharing a story that's 40 years old?" And I literally talked back to my Twitter and said, "Hey, man, don't you know that almost everything on this podcast is 40 year old news?" Okay, uh, I mean. <laughs> That uh, re- re- even the Neil Gaiman, Todd McFarlane, or or the Image Comics stuff, uh, my stuff with Fighting American, we're 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 past the thirty year mark. I mean, we're 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 in the thirty year range on most all the topics here. So yeah, we went we went <laughs> we went back to we went back thirty nine years to tell you an, a story from nineteen eighty four. But I just thought it was it was really funny the the commentary because I'm like, hey man, that's what this show does. We are not generally we're not current. Uh, you got enough sites out there that talk about current comics and review, uh, all the comic books on the, on the stands. I have a unique perspective. I have, uh, my unique perspective comes from the fact that I have written and drawn so many comics, uh, created so many characters, worked with so many publishers, uh, helped launch, uh, image comics, the third largest comic publisher in North America for the last 30 years. And I was the launch book. I was the little engine that could, the one that had to give faith to the others who were kind of quivering and uncertain about this scary, scary option. Oh my gosh, what if Marvel and DZ get mad at us? Uh, you know, it was kind of the prevailing notion. And then there was little Robbie Liefeld who didn't give a shit, who ran right off uh, the cliff or right through the wall or whatever it was necessary just to keep doing things my way. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, Doing things my way has not always won me over uh, uh, the, the, the most fans within the industry, but I can't worry about them. My my concern has always been to the fans, and in this case, the listeners. So I try and bring topics and I and and and, and share stories that I think that you're going to be entertained the most. Again, from my unique perspective, sometimes I give you it as a fan as it occurs. You're going to hear a lot of that fan perspective. You're going to get you're going to get both when I speak of Mr. Keith Giffen today. My experiences with him as a fan, and then the period that he worked for me. Uh, for for many years, and and it was you know it was a result of me being such a fan of Keith that I sought him out and 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 had to be you know in his sphere uh, of what he was doing and, and wanted some of that incredible creative penciling and writing and ideas that 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 he that he had shared uh, with other companies that I part, partook in as a fan. I had to have him part of my Extreme Studios, and fortunate enough, I I did, and we had a great long relationship and again I'll, I'll 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 close the show up with a uh, a proper memoriam to mr keith giffen what i wanted to talk to you about today was extreme not just my studios not just my company label not just my library of characters that consists of bloodstrike and brigade and profit and glory and and youngblood and supreme and and everybody who i'm you know forgetting to mention uh, evangeline of course Th- these are all tremendous and amazing uh, characters and, and stories that I'm super proud that we were able to create. But I saw recently, you know, some other websites who were who going back and telling you stories from 30 years ago were were ruminating on what makes a comic extreme. And they showed how what we were doing in Image Comics was being picked up on over at the other publishers and that the way that they used a lot of the different names uh, that we were using. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, someone who has never been a fan of mine, even though he is my favorite comic book creator of my youth, because he did the best, the, the, the most, uh, impre- his work left the most impression on me and established the X-Men as the long-standing superstar franchise that it was. It had its legs, 
underneath it with the contributions of Len Wein and Dev Cockrum and, and Chris Claremont. But not until Mr. John Byrne and Terry Austin arrived and started working their magic did that book start leaping, jumping the charts. And we've discussed it on so many different episodes here because it is truly one of my, uh, if not my favorite storytelling experience of my entire lifetime of, over any movie, over Star Wars, over TV, over novels, over reading Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit for the first time, X-Men, the X-Men, the John Byrne, Terry Austin X-Men era that, trust me, collectors of my age, I mean, those, those pages continue to skyrocket in price. People are like, wait, that would have been a $30,000 page a few auctions back, but one just went for $92,000. An interior page with like six panels on it. John Byrne, he is the premier breakout superstar of the X-Men saga. Everything that, that happened that you probably loved happened in the wake of what he did. So, you know, I, I just have such an incredible passion for, 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 for you know, the X-Men and, and, and the way that it uh, inspired me. And of course, it informed everything that I would do after. But one thing that John Byrne did not have was love for any of the image guys. And he, he particularly sought to single me out which I thought was entertaining. It's like, wow, this is happening. A guy who I absolutely love doesn't like me, but he didn't like Todd. We've done Todd. There's a, there's a John Byrne versus Todd dedicated podcast where he attacks Todd in, in, in some commentary. He mentions us in his forewords to his books. I'm like, why am I being mentioned in the foreword of Next Men? It's because we literally rented a giant like deluxe suite not just a room, a, a suite in John Byrne's dome. Me, Todd, Jim Lee, the whole, the whole of us, Eric Larson. Eric Larson and John Byrne had some crazy back and forths. But uh, I tell you right now, John Byrne gave me one compliment when I was coming up, one single compliment. And it was, you know, I'm not, I'm not that big a fan of Liefeld, but he's got away with names. He literally said, just when I thought every name in comics had been taken, he came up with these new names and, and they are names like Bloodstrike and Battlestone and it started with Deadpool and Cable over an X-Force and Domino and then it continued with Badrock and Die Hard and I, I just I just introduced an entire new uh group of characters and, and and the one thing that that I was using to my benefit to break out was the giant influx of new characters. And and uh, you know when I you may love Bishop and I love Bishop. So I'm on record as loving Bishop, but he followed Cable by like 16 months. Cable was there in that space first. And then it was like, ooh, and I know a, a, a gentleman who worked at, uh, at, at, at Wildstorm, formerly Homage Comics, Carl Allstetter, who would work for me at Extreme, who was there as an assistant during those Jim Lee Wolf Protasio days, said they were absolutely trying to uh, create their version, his words, their version of Cable. When you're doing something, and you're influencing people, it starts to roll. It starts to roll downhill. And then suddenly everyone's doing it. And then there's the people who are semi-tone deaf who start doing it. And that is what I think was happening after we started Image Comics at Marvel in DC. And I mean, there's a character that, <laughs> I mean, characters on skateboards with their hats backwards and uh, goofy, goofy versions of, of shoulder pads, not the, the kind that we were giving our characters. It was funny. So this website specifically did the Age of Extreme. And then it talked about our books and it actually did say that like we it, it felt more organic coming from us and the, and that's right because it was more organic 
because that was our approach. I wasn't trying to look and copy someone else. I was doing my thing. And and, and Extreme spoke more to names and character designs. It was also the approach to, to the page and the approach to the storytelling and the page turns and the cliffhangers. And that is what we tried to bring the the the, the uh, success that I had had with New Mutants and X-Force. And let me say on the record here, having revisited that stuff, I will put the new, and you're going to, of course you would, Liefeld, you, you egomaniac, of course I would. I will put New Mutants and X-Force, the run that I did, up against any great run in comics, any of them. I will put them against. They may not surpass them, but they belong up there. It was an incredible soap opera. I had learned from the best. As a fan, I knew what John Byrne and Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, I knew what they did in order to excel and why their books stood out. And I looked to apply those exact same lessons to my book. Coupled with an influx of new characters, how else do you explain New Mutants going from selling 100,000 copies to its last issue selling a million? And once again, I'm going to emphasize that last issue had no gimmicks. It was just a comic book. with There was no scratch and sniff cover. There was no polybagged anything. It was just a comic book. You, you liked it. You liked it because you were enjoying the ride. And that really sent a ripple of like, wow, this 23-year-old, 22 when I started, 23 uh, but by the time I'm saying goodbye to X-Force, he, he's, he's clicking. He's got something. He knows what he's doing. Well, it's because I learned from the masters. And again, because I learned from guys like Keith Giffen and Frank Miller and Jim Shooter and John Byrne and, 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 uh, and, and Chris Claremont. And so I was, you know, then mashing those up the same way that they were mashing the influences of, of John Buscema and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko when they were doing their comics. But Extreme spoke to the size of certain images that we would put on the page for maximum effort. There was one critic that came out at the time and he said, these guys are doing this to sell artwork wrong. We're selling that to have moments. We're selling those images to you on the page to win that argument with you, to win that and convince you that that moment is significant. And if I can make it a little bigger, I'll make it a little bigger. One of those pages that just sold an auction, I looked at and the entire X-Men team is so tiny and I'm like in the in the image era, we would have pushed all those other panels up and more to the right and slimmed those down to make the all X-Men team page panel panel on the page bigger, more impactful. That's what making comics extreme was. It was knowing when to punch the moment, when to give it a double page, when to give it a splash page. And we were a bunch of lunatics running the asylum. We were the artists we had taken over. So we absolutely could give you the exact visuals that we wanted to give you without going, oh man, I wish I could have done that, but I was held back. We, we were not, I was given free reign at, X, in, in, at Marvel on New Mutants and X-Force. And so I wanted to exert even more of it. And I've talked about it before. If I wanted to do an all splash page issue, an all double page splash issue, there was no one that I needed to convince. There was no one that I needed to put time and effort into convincing that that would be a good job, a good job, a good idea. It was just something that happened because I, I wanted it to happen. And I did a book called Youngblood Strike File that that happened in. And at the same time, Jim Lee did a Wildcats issue, I remember. And if I'm correct, I think it has a six page gatefold pullout. It was like a big, giant like flex and uh I, I i was so impressed with it it may have happened twice in one issue but there was one it's zealot and uh grifter and they're breaking through the window and that was his version of oh yeah oh yeah you want to see how big we can go i can show you and i was like yes this is what i'm talking about he 
as the boss of Wildstorm, as the boss of his imprint, as the boss of his characters, was able to say, this is what I want. I want this to be giant and big and impactful and show you know these incredible figures the, the the beautiful form of zealot and grifter blasting through and 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 again winning your heart and your mind that's what we are trying to do because we want you to take this ride with us and that is the ultimate example of how we were flexing and doing comic books more as the website said extreme so so we went ahead and we made as many extreme comics as we possibly could and you guys rewarded us you showed up in huge numbers you bought millions and millions and millions of copies you bought millions of copies of blood strike number one you bought millions of copies of brigade number one all following the million copy the million selling launch of young blood number one and you know we eventually got up to 22 titles out of extreme studios and because you guys were there for us again and again and again and my one regret was that i didn't do more because i was listening to the voices in my head uh, rather than listening to the adoration of the fans and when 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 we had dialed down our extreme input output I, I i had realized over the years having met so many of you so many of you who are in your late 30s your 40s maybe kissing your 50s now you grew up and you loved those characters you said that was my favorite universe that was my favorite character that was my favorite book i wish i had heard more of that in my head but I was just oh, racing, 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 trying to keep market share high and 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 chasing uh, trends, which I've I've covered the bad girl trend. Listen to that episode; it is such a snapshot in time of how the entire industry shifted with the basically sexy warrior woman, you know, emergence. And and trust me, it's 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 a really informative episode. gives gives due to the people who 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 kind of created that that movement to begin with, but. Extreme had so many amazing fans. And look, my Extreme approach is on display even in the pages of Deadpool Batterblood right now. The, the books that you get from me, I refuse to go quietly. I, I feel like Jack Kirby did in the 70s, just in control, writing and drawing uh, any any stories and, and the comics that he wants on his terms. And thank you, thank you for continuing to show up. But as we tried to make these comic books translate into other media, we always came up against the you know the uneducated they 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 wanted they wanted this cuz it was a comic book and they heard comic books were cool but they didn't have the love and they didn't have the passion for the characters and for years i've been i've been searching i've been getting closer and closer and closer because like i said you this generation grew up and you're you know now of the age some of you have become filmmakers stunt coordinators uh makeup people and i have been so pleased to meet so many of you and 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 one of those people that i was so fortunate to meet was one Mr. Phil Silvera. And 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 Phil had worked on he was working on Deadpool when I when I first made his acquaintance. And he immediately uh informed me that he was the architect behind all of the action, some of the second unit and, and all of the stunt coordination and the and, and the fight uh coordination. He he was the guy uh on on uh on Daredevil seasons one and two, you remember those 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 epic hallway fight scenes in two thousand you know in two thousand in twenty fifteen twenty sixteen that was the stuff that was setting our heads on fire. We were like, "Wait, look at this action, look at this and we we understood that these these shows had limited budgets, we understood that they didn't have the greatest that the, 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 they didn't have the best no they didn't have the same expectations 
uh, it, budgetarily that that a film was w- w- would have. Marvel was allocating big dollars to to the the giant film offerings a- a- around this time. You know, preparing to give us Civil War and Avengers two, and 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 I know Avengers two came first, and then Civil War, and then building towards Infinity War, all the big stuff. But the televisions they had they had more budgetary restraints. And uh, they had more limitations placed on them. But if you got the right guy with the right eye and the right ability to, to, to you know, choreograph the right action, boom, you hit a home run. And Daredevil was known immediately for all the incredible action choreography because of one Philip Silvera. He, when, when, when he was doing all the stunts and preparation, some second unit directing on Deadpool, and, and we would talk and share, he, he was very uh, open with me, telling me that he grew up reading our comics, and he wasn't in any way, shape, or form uh, pulling any legs. This is not some poser. This guy bought X-Force New Mutants off the stands. He bought Youngblood and Brigade and Bloodstrike, and he, sh- and he shared with me how much he loved Bloodstrike. And Bloodstrike really operated around the idea of Project Born Again, a, you know, clandestine organization within the government that reanimates significant agents super soldiers basically uh refusing to let them die always bringing them back in the same service basically with a lifetime contract and the story behind cabot stone is that his brother john stone submitted him after cabot was blown up on the field of battle as a soldier and without getting his clearance or his cooperation, submitted him. They, they already had a Cain and Abel existence. And there's a Battlestone miniseries that talks about how their father pitted them against each other. And they were always in competition with each other to begin with. And that John Stone, his older brother, had the favor of the family. And Cabot was definitely uh, portrayed more as the Cain in the Cain and Abel. But he was, you know, now submissive to a government program that he didn't choose to be a part of. And he resented it, but he's damn good at what he does. And Bloodstrike exists to take the most powerful, uh, supernatural, alien, uh, you know, scientific threats down, and 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 do them quietly, and 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 make it as least as messy as possible. They are the you know again the the lioness unit, the rangers, the CIA of the superhero set in the extreme universe. Phil and I. Uh, would talk and I could just tell this guy it clicked he got it he understood it and he said Rob I'm going to do this with you one day and if you're listening to this podcast our one minute teaser of a longer uh, short film that Phil made with these characters in live action exists it's out there you should find it you should watch it it's being watched as 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 I'm as I'm uh, as I'm as I'm recording this hundreds of thousands of views are starting and it's only been out a couple hours to to find this clip Phil delivered. As a director, he's done tons of second unit directing, so much stunt and action coordination that, I mean, he is just the premier guy in, in a field that is rewarding these people like David Leach, like Sam Hargrave, who came from stunt coordination too. They came as being stunt performers. These guys know what we want to see, and they're on set with some of the best directors over the course of their careers, picking up all their cues. So then to put them back, just as we did with Ditko and and Kirby and Buscema and Byrne and Miller and Starlin and 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 reformat it and the blood strike footage that he came up with and the understanding the the he understands the existential crisis within blood strike that we covered and with Keith Giffen no less Keith Giffen came on board to 
after several conversations with Keith, we wanted to take Bloodstrike to a really darker, darker place. We launched them with this big introduction, and then they were in this giant crossover with Brigade so that you would, you know, love them and buy them and embrace them. You That that, that was part of getting them out there in the Blood Brothers storyline in the first place. But then Keith and I talked about, like, what makes these characters tick, and, and I asked Keith to depict these certain stories, and he just took his marching orders and delivered above and beyond some disturbing stuff and and some of that imagery from those uh comics that we conceived of are in the blood strike short film phil grabbed all of it he grabbed all of the best of the blood strikes over the last 30 years and he put them into this incredible incredible uh what we call proof of concept the same type of proof of concept that tim miller along with phil along with philip silvera put together for the original deadpool film when that was stalled which if you go and you know youtube will show you everything youtube will supply you with the side-by-side comparison of the original deadpool proof of concept and then how it looked when we they shot it again they shot it again with live actors and so proof of concept is got a lot more computer and, and digital imagery as does this blood strike but the the end result is or the end game is the same to then recreate this exact same footage with actors um without uh as much uh, computer technology standing in because because there is no set here this is all imagined this is all a product of again digital imaging di- digital imagery and really the product of, of phil silvera's you know genius in directing uh and and uh and coordinating and 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 all the choreography the storyboarding i mean everything you see in in this shows what a great eye philip has and he leaned all the way into making this great, and you guys are responding. And again, it's just, it's uh, vicious, it's bloody, it's gory, it's R-rated. It goes, I think, beyond, you know, where Deadpool was. It pushes it even further, and that's our intention. And that is how we are going to get extreme to stand out. I have told you on this mic for three years that I believe comic books have to go in an R-rated direction. My son, who is 23, is already bored with the PG fair, just as I've said we were. Again, Predator. Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Total Recall, RoboCop. These are R-rated movies. This is what we transitioned in after our little Star Wars endeavors. We wanted to see Alien and Aliens and Terminator. All of that stuff, you guys, it's R. It's R-rated. That's what we loved. And that is what we're going to bring to the superhero set. And we're going to start it with Bloodstruck. I am so tired of reading about my own deals, about this big actor coming on with this writer. No, it was time to show. It was time to step up and show. And Phil and I talked about this in uh, the final days of the pandemic. And he told me he had a few jobs left to do, but he was going to, he, he, he said, Rob, this is what I intend to do. I said, Phil, go with my blessing. Let's go. He delivered. It's out there. You should be uh, in, digesting it right now and digging it. And, and trust me when I tell you that there's more to come. There's more to come that you don't know that I know, but you're going to be excited because I am dedicated to, to bringing the extreme uh, catalog to screen and for you to see those elbows and those knees and those shoulder pads and those guns and that weaponry and all the stuff that you love from the extreme comics out of extreme studios from Image Comics. We are going to get that going. We are going to get that going. There are so many talented people, and Phil is chief among them, the cream of the crop. And look what he stepped up and did without any studio financing whatsoever. Enjoy that because there is more to come. The extreme age of comics is coming to your screen, and I do not want you 
to miss out on it. And I am so excited to share it. So find that blood strike proof of concept because that's what it is. It's a work in progress. And I, have de- I am dedicated to taking you along on this ride with us as we build this movie, as we build this movie from the ground up. And, and we attach talent and, 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 and we, we get you know, the, the, the deals in place and, and we head towards the actual uh, sound stages and filming of this. Uh, I will share all of it along the way, but it is great to finally see this stuff move. And uh, again, I invite you to enjoy Blood Strike and get excited about what is to come. Yeah, yeah. Forgive me if I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, hyped up, because but but I am. It, it, it's fun to share something like this with the world. It's fun to see the characters battling and uh, these characters who are 32 years old. Blood Strike has been around again. Launched in 1993. First appearance of Blood Strike is in Young Blood number three. First appearance of Young Blood of blood strike is in young blood number three we are gonna again uh keep you posted as we move forward on this and imagine again i the sorrow uh we had finally phil philip had delivered to me the final file at uh you know middle of the middle of the evening mid-evening uh on 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 october 11th and I got the news that Keith Giffen had passed almost simultaneously. And I couldn't believe it. Uh, some of my favorite work is the writing that Keith did uh, for Bloodstrike. He also did Supreme. He did Youngblood. He just had a blast playing in our sandbox. He drew stories for us. He has an unpublished story that I am now committed more to giving you than ever, which is his Dooms 4. I hired him to reboot Dooms 4, and I have had that, those pages in my possession uh, that, that now I'm going to absolutely hasten the inking of because it's, it, it, all of Keith's stuff should be out there. And, and as I kept searching for the right moment, I just feel like now is the time. I've got to get that stuff out there. But let me tell you something. The reason I was in love with Keith Giffen and the reason I asked him to do Bloodstrike in the first place and the reason my heart broke simultaneously because I'm going to show you this Bloodstrike stuff and talk about it on this podcast and now knowing that, that, that Keith has passed away. But I want to begin with the LA Comic Con in 2018. It was Saturday, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The, the, the day was getting longer and I was, you know, I generally leave around 5 o'clock and uh, the crowds were dying down at, 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 the, at the booth. And I was shocked to see Keith as he approached me, smiling. Keith, Keith, Keith you can see in, in even even some of the photos that, that I'll be sharing, you can see him trying not to smile. He does, he, did, he wanted to do his stone-faced demeanor, but he'd come up and laugh and smile, and he was such a smart ass, and he was such a funny guy. And you're going to hear that from everybody. And again, like I said, I had a professional relationship with him. We worked together. He worked for my Extreme Studios, and we gave him a ton of work. And I'm going to share one story that breaks my heart, absolutely breaks my heart, because I wish I could go back in time and handle it differently. It's, it's the difference of age and, and being mature. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you how I would have approached a situation differently in just a minute. But he looked great. He was so happy. And he just said he was out in Southern California. He's normally an East Coast guy. And Keith doesn't appear often. He doesn't, he doesn't get out a lot. Over the course of the career that he's had, uh, his appearances are few and far between. And so to see him in sunny California, uh, just looking like a million bucks, super happy, cheerful, happy, laughing, talking about the work that he's doing, uh, you know, for DC Comics and that he just still just enjoys uh, 
playing in that sandbox. And in recent years, he has revisited the Legion of Superheroes. He did a kick-ass annual. He did a ton of work on one of Kirby's most seminal concepts, OMAC. He did some Commandy. Uh, he's just, uh, he, he was writing and drawing uh, all, all manner of titles over, over at DC Comics. But the first time that I encountered the talent that was Keith Giffen, he was drawing a, a story called The White Tiger, and uh, who was a spinoff of, of, a, of a martial arts group called the Sons of Tiger. And the Sons of Tiger were three guys that had different pieces of an amulet that gave them enhanced powers, but they were all natural, trained, you know, uh, uh, martial artists, martial artist warriors. And But this amulet united them, and so they fought crime formally as the sons of tiger but over time they had a falling out and they all tossed the amulet away and that was found by one particular individual who combined the annual the, the amulets and he became the white tiger so it was around uh, i think i think deadly hands of kung fu was the magazine version of uh that, that marvel was doing featuring their martial arts characters following the success of shang shang chi the master of kung fu uh, and 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 the spinoff Iron Fist. There there's a great episode. I I really dig it uh, of of this show called Everyone Was Kung Fu Fighting, and it talks about when the martial arts wave hit comic books in the mid '70s, and it hit it hard, hard, and nobody embraced it more, really effectively, more effectively than uh, than Marvel did, and so they got a newsstand magazine, black and white. Two stories every every issue, two like full length stories plus articles on Bruce Lee and other different martial artists and other different martial arts films. But this is the first time I encountered Keith Giffen's work because he had uh, I think it's 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 Deadly Hands Kung Fu. I, I believe it's like issue twenty two, and they introduce now White Tiger and he fights Jack of Hearts. Jack of Hearts is one of the most difficult uh, costumes. To ever draw and that's what everyone has said the minute uh the character arrived you'd hear artists in interviews or at conventions like oh jack of hearts really hard very intricate uh i mean he he looks like a jack of hearts in a full you know kind of armored regalia brilliantly designed by mr keith giffen who is again a creator of jack jack of hearts maybe even white tiger that's where i first saw him but this was just gonna start keith on a roll when I saw him next, he was doing an arc on the Defenders, and I have debated doing an entire episode based on the Defenders in the same way that I did an entire episode based on Champions, because they were just that little engine that could, and I was just waiting for some incredible creative team to come on board and transform the Defenders with that lineup of Hulk and Valkyrie and Doctor Strange, and at this time, Moon Knight and Nighthawk. I love these characters. I love them, and and I felt like... You know, with the right creative team, they could spark and 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 be as good, if not better, than the Avengers, the X Men, and the Fantastic Four, which were the books that I were digging the most at this point in 1976, 1977, which is when Keith comes on, and he does the couple issues that are leading up to Defenders 50, and then he does Defenders 50, and it is still to this day my favorite, absolute, uh, most exciting job Keith Giffen ever did. Powerful powerful figures you could feel every punch everyone looks beautiful and attractive and dynamic he had a real jack kirby aesthetic but it didn't look like jack you could tell he was influenced by jack kirby but he wasn't just looking at jack he was putting it through his own keith 
Giffen synthesis in much the same way that I think most of the image guys were putting Arthur Adams through their own synthesis. Because as, as I've said many times, uh, if there was one influence that united Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Eric Larson, all of us, uh, it was Arthur Adams who had just hit the scene so profoundly a few years prior with a ridiculously, uh, ridiculously like made for success commercial style. And we loved it. I've talked about it, the short, short waist, long legs, long thighs, a slightly tinier head, really pumped up chest. I mean, look, we all kind of uh, were, were assimilating that in the same way that Keith Given was assimilating Jack Kirby, who, you know, had kind of amassed the most brilliant body of work by this time. You know, he had already come back to Marvel, hit them hard with his Captain America, Black Panther, 2001, Devil Dinosaur, Machine Man, all the stuff that the Eternals, but he had all his incredible DC work. And I think he was in it. Jack's stride was in the 70s era. And Keith Giffen was pulling, again, the best of Jack as like a sheen over his incredible gestures and his, and his very unique way of drawing faces and figures and super powerful. There's a double page spread in Defenders 50 that is just amazing. I, I, I still, to this day, just feel awe in looking at it and just incredible respect and uh, admiration and but but the impact like whoa and in that moment i thought this may be the greatest super team ever this may be the, you know it's hulk it's moon knight it's valkyrie it's nighthawk it's so stunning great issue nick fury's there they battle the zodiac and keith would linger for a few more issues but then he was gone and so my dream of keith giffen taking the defenders to the top was not you know fully realized when next i would fully encounter Mr. Mr. Keith Giffen is when he emerged over at DC. Not when I would next fully encounter. I was following every each and every job that he was doing. And he was jumping around at Marvel and jumping around doing short stories at, at DC Comics, some Dr. Fate, some other stuff. But then he gets the Legion of Superheroes assignment. And I've done dedicated episodes to how Legion of Superheroes is like the greatest unfulfilled promise at DC Comics right now for the last 30 years, they just cannot seem to jumpstart this book back to the place that it was when Keith was on it. When, wait for it, in the eyes of the fans, and you're reading it now, you're reading it in memoriam as people remember this, you are reading how people put Legion of Superheroes and Keith Giffen's storylines on par with what was going on with the very best in the X-Men at the time, and they are 100% on the money. My poor wife has had to sit across from me at dinner and try and act interested as I tell her about the Great Darkness Saga. As I tell her about the Legion of Supervillains, these incredible stories, Keith just found his groove in the early 80s, taking over the Legion of Superheroes, which was always a fan favorite title, but suddenly it just took off. So popular, they gave it at one point, Legion had in the middle of the 80s, five spinoffs, and that was all on the back of the momentum that Keith had achieved when he stepped in because he was co-plotting, contributing to the stories. And drawing, drawing. People are going to tell you what a great storyteller he was. He was. A great layout design guy he was. He was. A great writer. All of that. But none of that happens if he doesn't draw in pencil. And we love it. And we love the faces, the figures, the environments, the costumes, the bad guys, the action choreography. Keith had it all. And this is a time where George Perez and John Byrne and Paul Smith and uh, these guys, Frank Miller, were like at the top. And Keith found himself alongside them sitting snugly right alongside them because of the efforts of what he was pouring into that book. It became the most buzzed about book. There was an 
I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but the Great Darkness Saga in real time was as meaningful, jaw-dropping, epic as, uh, as anything that was going on with, the great, uh, with, with, with Dark Phoenix. And I experienced them both in real time. DC in 2015, 2016 collected all of Keith's, the prim- a giant, really thick trade paperback cover of, of so many of Keith's issues. It goes beyond Keith's uh, Great Darkness and starts with the Pat Broderick issues. He was also a great artist who was maybe even set the stage for what, what, would, what would Keith would do on, on Legion. But what Keith did with Legion cannot be underscored. It rocked comic books. Legion became DC's X-Men, the buzz book. It was even uh, out-buzzing Teen Titans, which had launched out of the gate, maybe greater. But suddenly, DC was all about two books, Teen Titans and Legion of Superheroes. Teen Titans largely on the back of George Perez. Keith Giffen largely on the back. I mean, Legion largely on the back of Keith Giffen. And like, but what about Paul, Paul Levitz? Paul Levitz had already been there. He had been there for a long time. What was the spark? What changed? Keith Giffen. He was the plus additive. He was the extra ingredient. Keith got so popular on the Legion that then they convinced him to do a second story, a second series, which I didn't know quite how he was going to pull off, and he didn't, not for a long time, but he launched a series out of the Teen Titans, characters that we met in the Teen Titans called the Omega Men, and boy, oh boy, they gave so much advertising, so much promotion. When that first issue came out, people were all over it. I was all over the Omega Men. I could not get enough of the Omega Men. Keith Giffen drawing it, I'm buying it. The second issue, he introduced us to a character that we have never let go of name Lobo. Lobo didn't look and feel the same that he eventually would. He did not appear different. I, he, he did not appear the same. Basically, just the basic fundamental of his face, but everything from the neck down and even his hair altered and changed. But Keith was behind that as well. No matter what the look or the evolve, evolution of, of Lobo, Keith was standing there, you know, manipulating it. And, and Lobo just exploded, becoming the very biggest character for DC Comics during this period. Again, just rivaling the, the stunning work. The, the Legion of Superheroes stuff that I'm talking about runs about four years. Uh, the, the, the year-long Great Darkness saga so transformed the popularity and awareness of that book that they spun off a different book. Just like George Perez was spinning off with Teen Titans, they did it in the same vicinity. And Keith started. Uh, on that book, a new Legion number one. They called them the Baxter comic because they were on a nicer paper. Titans Baxter and Legions Baxter and every retailer and fan will back me up. That was the code names for them. That's how DC positioned them. So instead of the newsstand versions, you were getting the Baxter versions. But Keith started off on that as well, giving you the Legion of supervillains in this harrowing story where the Legion's most uh, dedicated villains united to really take them out. It is exciting. It's great. Even single issue, uh, just Legion went on one issue missions alongside Keith again. He was the additive. He was the change. And he became synonymous with Legion forever, even in a period where I felt like they took a really wrong turn, uh, where they jumped forward several years. And uh, it, it accompanied an experiment, and, and good for Keith in, in, in trying this experiment with his art, where he took on a very different style. And that's a great thing about Keith. He would continue to morph his style. During this time, also, he created a character called Ambush Bug, which was this loony, uh, really kind of a Looney Tunes character in the DC Universe. Looked like a green Muppet, uh, was, was really off-kilter, and if, if, if anything, was a reflection of the madness that was Keith himself. 
It was it was a very much a humorous, a kind of a parody book. Everyone remembers it very fondly. There was a couple issues of uh, Superman DC Comics Presents that Ambush Bug would would jump in, in into, but uh, but but Keith was all over the DC universe, and between Legion and Ambush Bug and Lobo, he had really built himself a wing. But he wanted to spread his wings. He wanted to to fly into different realms, and so. We were able to snag him. We approached Keith with a great deal. He was super excited to partake in the Extreme Universe and immediately took to writing and laying out a Supreme miniseries with Jeff Johnson, which was fantastic. The Legend of Supreme, some incredible, some of the best Supreme stories ever, even, even I believe, as good, if not better than the best of the Alan Moore work. He uh, took over Bloodstrike, providing uh, layouts and stories. Uh, based on our discussions and kind of the, the layout that we put together for the year, he just knocked it out of the park. He uh, he did some Youngblood short stories in Youngblood Strike File. He was all over the place for us leading up to in the late 90s when he did the Dooms 4 unpublished story that I am going to uh, try and get to you by the middle of 2024, if not sooner, because it deserves to be seen. And the redesigns and the applications that he put forth are fantastic for a series that I had called Dooms 4. So Keith and I enjoyed a many year uh, professional relationship. And I was just all too happy that he was on our team and he was contributing and and, and helping, uh, you know, produce great comics and stories for the extreme label. But during that time, he also did his own image comic called Trencher which is fantastic kind of he he thought it was taking lobo even a step further and i would agree and during this time he was drawing an even different style he continued to shift and morph and change his styles and now it was is almost 100 percent different than what he was doing when he changed his style uh on 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 the the darker legion stuff and the ambush bug stuff which was he he had modeled his work after an artist named munoz m-u-n-o-z if i mispronounced it pardon me uh, I, I forget, you know, again, I've, I've had a name people have been mispronouncing for years, so I get it. I understand it. I, it was not meant, but, uh, but this time it was all linear, no spotted blacks, just, just straight lines and very little shadows and just a very linear, linear style that he did on Trencher. And then he even put to work on a Jim Valentino limited series featuring Shadowhawk. And I mean, I was gobbling up all of this in image seemed to give Keith, an even bigger signal boost. But he would go on, he would work for every single company. He, he would do work for with Eric Larson, with Jim Valentino. He would work with, uh, with Topps Comics and, and touch on some of their uh, Jack Kirby properties that they had gotten a hold of that they wanted to relaunch. Just Keith, Keith was everywhere. He never stopped making comics. He was either writing or drawing or laying out. And I, again, as I always, as I've said, he, 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 uh, I loved it when he was drawing the comics. Here's the story that I was going to tell you that I regret, that I, that I wish I had had greater maturity in handling. Around 1994, I had gotten the rights to the Futurians, a creator-owned concept, conceived, created, written, illustrated previously by Dave Cockrum. He owned it, Dave Cockrum of the X-Men relaunch, Dave Cockrum of the Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler. You don't get any of those characters without him. I was such a fan of Dave Cockrum, and I was able to meet with him and since the Futurians, which launched as a graphic novel at Marvel before him, uh, a, a really great Marvel graphic novel, some of the most lush, beautiful work, you could tell Dave had so much investment in it. Years in recent episode and in years that followed, he, he opined that he wishes he hadn't left the X-Men to do the Futurians because the financial rewards weren't 
as great and he was making such great money off the X-Men, but he didn't realize it until the few first real royalty checks had arrived after he had left the X-Men and started the Futurians. And so he had some regrets that he is that that regret is not something that he failed to share often. Dave really um would 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 dwell on that and, and felt that either he was misled or, you know, being very open, he felt like he just made a bad decision. He took the Futurians to a company called Deluxe Comics, and they did a few issues, and I bought them as a fan, and I ate them up. I love them. I love the character designs. I think they are some of the strongest Dave Cockrum character designs and names, and, and think of what I'm telling you, given what he has done with his track record on the Legion of Superheroes and what Dave Cockrum did on the X-Men. Think about that. And I'm talking Star Jammers. I'm talking Imperial Guard. Dave left 30-plus characters. Uh, over, you know, at, 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 uh, during his incredible X-Men influential run, both before and after John Byrne. So this is what I'm telling you. The Futurians are fantastic. I optioned them again a few years ago, trying to get them set up as a cartoon, as a, as, as a movie, and, and met with some... I didn't, I didn't meet with their success that I was hopeful, hoping to, but, but even now I plot in my head about the Futurians. But during this time, I, I once again officially licensed which means i paid dave just like i did recently in 2017 i paid his estate i paid his wife uh in in a, in a, in a great deal uh, an, an amazing deal uh brokered by clifford meth this this most recent time but back then just between dave and myself i gave him a a generous option fee to be able to make the futurians comics he responded to my enthusiasm for them and gave me the go and we started talking and told people we were doing it well in conversation with keith giffen one day he said, hey, Rob, Eric Stevenson, our, our editor, primary editor, I would even say the editor-in-chief of Extreme Comics at the time, uh, who is now a partner and is the publisher and has been, seen, feels like 20 years of Image Comics and, is, and has continued to guide them towards you know, the upper echelons of, of, of the market share that is rarefied. I mean, being either the number two or the number three mark, uh, market share is not something that is easily achieved. And Eric has just done such a fantastic job. I'm such a fan of him uh, personally and professionally, but he had really uh, struck up a great relationship with Keith Giffen as well. And certainly, again, was, 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 was part of the reason I think Keith enjoyed uh, working with us as often as he did. He said, Rob, Eric has told me that you are going to do the Futurians with Dave Cockrum. He goes, I would love to take a crack at that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, two great tastes that taste great together. You know, Dave Cockrum and Keith Giffen. So I give the green light to Keith Giffen and he writes and lays out two complete issues of Futurians. I have them. They are, they are in my files. I see them often. Keith would lay out pages on ballpoint pen and then send that entire layout with, with script either written on the page or adjacent to on typewritten paper. But that's how Keith produces stories. That's why uh, so many great artists get to work from his incredible layouts because Keith is such a you know, state-of-the-art, uh, just master craft storyteller. Well. Having gotten the first two issues, I shared them with Dave Cockrum. I sent them to him overnight and wanted him to get excited about them. I received a phone call. And, and to this day, again, I can tell you I regret how I handled it. I can tell you in the moment how I handled it. But Dave Cockrum was very angry with me. I picked up the phone. And he's like, Rob. And I said, yes. And he said, I can't believe he had a little bit of a Southern twang. You would give the Futurians to Keith Giffen. And I said, Dave, I'm not, I don't understand. You know, I, I just, I didn't think to call Dave up and, and think him through every creative process. I had paid the money to be part of it myself. And, and I may have been drawing those Keith Giffen. We hadn't picked a penciler 
yet. So, so to me, I was watching how this develops, and I may have been the guy. But Dave then expressed to me his distaste and his anger that he had towards Keith Giffen because when Keith came on the Legion of Superheroes, he changed all of Dave Cockrum's costumes. Dave had changed them all in the 70s, and he had a very unique look. His Lightning Lad, his Saturn Girl, his Cosmic Boy, his Colossal Boy, his Timberwolf, I can go on and on, Wildstar, Dawnstar. Dave had formatted, had, had created really unique and very appealing and very, you know, pleasing to the eye costume designs that really helped them stand out and, and helped put Dave on the map and make Dave the, the fan favorite that he was, that he would, you know, be chosen by Marvel, handpicked to launch the giant size X-Men initiative, which they definitely wanted to succeed in a big way. Dave had become a fan favorite on Legion of Superheroes, and the way the characters looked was absolutely a part of it. When Keith came on, 10 years later, he changed them. He changed the dynamics of the costumes, and I remember at the time going, uh, do I like that as much? Do I like that as much? You know, Dave's Cockrums were the, 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 the gold... Dave Cockrums. Dave's costumes were the gold standard, but Keith had indeed uh, altered them, and, you know... Time moves on, life moves on, it happens. I've seen my characters that I've created, like Shatterstar, uh, get different variations on the costume. It happens, you expect it. But Dave was very angry and said, I would never approve of this. And I'm pulling the license because you did this. I was full of shame. I was not angry in that moment. I was shamed that I had let one of my idols down. And I calmed Dave down because he was very angry with me. And, and the fact that I would uh, subjugate his creations to this man who I had no idea that they had. And I don't think Keith did either. Maybe Keith had heard of it, but we never, never discussed it. But Dave had issue with Keith being involved in anything uh, relating the Futurians because of what he felt like was a betrayal on, on how he changed all the looks of the characters when he got on the Legion. Today's Rob Liefeld would have said, Dave, can I call you in 24 hours? Please don't make a decision. Please, please, I just ask for you. And I would have called him back and said, Dave, I want this book to work for you. I want the royalties that you're going to get. I want the money that you're going to get out of this to be fantastic. Because in many of Dave's later interviews, he talks about how he was struggling financially as an out-of-work comic book artist. And this, these interviews are in 95 and 96 and 97. And my regret is that I didn't step in and boldly appeal and say, Dave, please don't pull this. I will make adjustments. I was just so ashamed in the moment that I had let him down that I said, that's fine. I never asked for my money back. And I just gave the Futurians, basically ripped up the contract and apologized. I understand Dave is... I recognize a lot of what Dave was expressing in my own self. What I see in Dave is not foreign. I understand it. I understand the emotions that come with art and the feelings and the hurt. Uh, I get all of it. And here's the deal. I just wish I would have had more maturity and not climbed into a hole of shame. Not the hall of shame, the hole of shame. And I wish I would have made a greater plea. To, to to stay the course because I really believe we would have turned Futurians into something that would have given, just like we gave Jack Kirby his biggest check ever, I think we, we could have given Dave Cockrum one of his, if not his biggest checks, because we were going to turn all the bells and all the whistles on for the Futurians. I mean, look at me. I, I went back in 2017 and paid again to have the right, a limited license. The time expired on that. I couldn't make it happen, but I would, would I do it again? I would. I just need a better plan. But my regret 
is that I didn't broker that any differently. I had to call Keith up and say, I didn't say anything other than that, you know, it's no, we're no longer going forward. Dave uh, isn't comfortable with what we're doing and we're just going to table this and go on. And Keith was a professional and we didn't really speak about it again. But to this day, I, I wish that I had pled my case because I think we would have done really good for Dave Cockrum. But instead of being tied up in my own shame, feeling that I let a hero of mine down, I wish I would have just had the, the wherewithal to step outside that process and evaluate that cl- more clearly. And maybe, maybe, maybe that second plea would have failed. And then I would have tried a third plea. It, the, today's Rob Liefeld would have tried a third plea. But uh, that is, uh, that's a significant memory of Keith Kiffin uh, that most people don't know. He didn't do it viciously. He loved the Futurians too. Just like I think he loved the Legion because of Dave Cockrum, he loved the Futurians as well. And we hadn't redesigned those characters at all. Just in case you're wondering, had we redesigned? No, this was just in the layout stage. The intent was to make them look exactly like the Futurians that Marvel and Deluxe had published. All in all, Keith Giffen, just a great guy, great experience. So happy that I, that, that I saw him in 2018. It was his friend that said, hey, let's go out and get a picture. I stepped out behind my booth. We took those pictures. I saw him in Philadelphia as well. Uh, maybe a year before, again, looked great, felt great, talked great. Uh, I've been following him on Instagram and on social media, and 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 I was not aware that he had been ill. So to to prepare to put out this blood strike footage and get the news that Keith, who I had so much fun with and had such a such admiration for, had passed away was a crush. But you should go get some Keith Giffen comics. Keith Giffen also uh, contributed to the Thunder Agents. I did an entire episode on. When Deluxe Comics, also who had Futurians, rebooted the Thunder Agents, and Keith Giffen uh, did some great stories in there too. Keith is just a phenomenal, seminal talent. The characters that he created beyond Lobo, beyond Jack of the Hearts, you will have heard. Uh, he was the first artist and co-created Rocket Raccoon. He put Rocket Raccoon and Groot together for the first time. Uh, the list of characters. I didn't even talk about the Justice League when he was laying out and co-plotting the Justice League with J.M.D. Matisse and how that book changed everything. So I, I, I just, there's no time to get into all of it. I favor the stuff that he drew himself, which is why I'm giving so much time to the Legion and, 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 and the actual books in Lobo, Infanticide, Trencher, the stuff that he drew. I'm such a fan of his lines, more so than I am even of his ideas and his ideas were, were the best. He is a top flight, first ballot, Hall of Fame comic book talent. And if you don't have uh, uh, enough Keith Giffen comics in your life, you can change that right now. And you're going to be so entertained because he was one of the very best. Keith, I miss you. I loved you. I loved working with you. Uh, I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to work with a childhood idol. And uh, it was my absolute pleasure. Nothing but great memories, nothing but great experiences, and the work that will last forever. That Supreme Annual, those brigades, the stuff that we did together, I cherish. I look at them often. He was so ridiculously talented. There's all sorts of work that I'm overlooking right now that I'm not thinking of, uh, but you should seek it out. If, it, if Keith Giffen's name was on it, it was interesting. It was challenging. It was inspiring. Uh, it was fantastic. So my hat's off. Rest, rest, rest in peace to you, Keith Giffen. We will miss you dearly. Being here in New York and doing this podcast is, is, is a blast. I've had to turn it off a couple times due to sirens. Uh, uh, even, even <laughs> I'm on the 17th floor and those sirens are loud. So apologies if some of that made it through the episode. Hey, 
love love hearing from you guys. I will be at the New York Comic Con uh, October 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. I hope to see you there. We have a Captain America number one variant uh, based on my very famous Captain America chest uh, drawing illustration. I hope to uh, see you there. We have a limited amount, about 150 of each, uh, the Virgin and the, and the Trade Dress. Hope, hope you get over there and get your copy. Look forward to seeing you. I have all my work. Can't wait to sign all the Deadpool stuff, the X-Force stuff, the Extreme stuff, Bloodstrike, uh, Profit, all the stuff that you guys share with me. I am so excited to, excited to see you. Uh, VIP packs will get you to the front of the line and get you five cool comic books that are exclusives from uh, my, my myself and whatnot. And those are available on my website, robliefeldcreations.com, robliefeldcreations.com. The only two things that you can purchase there are VIP passes and uh, reserve special chiseled copies of Captain America because I need time to do those. So there, there's my plug for the show. I hope to see you there. The Javits Center is going to be rocking. You know that at the end of each and every show, we share with you the enthusiasm that you share with us because we love you guys. And, and thank you for supporting the show and for being there and for listening and, and that word of mouth and sharing. And we love when you leave reviews. When you leave reviews, it helps our platform. It helps us to stand out. It gives us a boost. I, I know the time it takes to do this. I am so appreciative of you. Thank you for going out of your way to show extra love to our show. And uh, today I'm going to read a review from Collectible Warrior. Collectible Warrior writes, Good afternoon, Mr. Liefeld. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for the great content and everything that you do for the fans. I am lis- I have been listening to your podcast nonstop. It is fantastic. Your behind-the-scenes stories and your own fandom really resonates. Thank you for all you've contributed to the comic book world and beyond. Take care. Collectible Warrior, thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the thumbs up. Thank you for this generous review. We do it for you. I am out here sharing uh, the stuff that I love and the experiences with you so that, you know, for your entertainment, your inform, your inform, uh, to to make you more informative and for the historical perspective, uh, I have tried so often to document and give you guys the, 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 the dates and the sources of all the stuff that I share. And I'm just so thankful that you are partaking in it. Thank you again for listening and Collectible Warrior. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for, for writing that review. You write a review. I read it at the end of each and every show. Uh, it's up to you. Thank you in advance. If you are uh, g- looking to leave one for us very soon, I look forward to not only reading it uh, and, 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 and also sharing it here on air. On social media, I am on Twitter slash X uh, at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, at Robert Liefeld. I have one of those pesky blue checks. It comes and goes, but right now it's there. It tells you that you are really talking to me. I am the genuine article. I love reading your DMs, your messages, all of your back and forth, all of your interactions. Thank you so much. Uh, for for enjoying uh, not only this show, but then talking to me about it and talking to me about my career on social networks such as Twitter, uh, X, whatever they're calling it. Call, follow me over there at Robert Liefeld. I look forward to seeing you on Instagram. More of a visual uh, diary of my life, my drawings, my vi- my my my, uh, my my travels, my family, where what I'm doing, who I'm doing it with. I invite you to follow me. Or- on my Instagram account at Rob Liefeld, just straight up at Rob Liefeld. Again, a blue check, a blue check signifies that I am the genuine article that you are talking to. I read your comments, your messages, uh, your DMs, uh, your replies. Thank you so much again in advance for following me on Instagram, and I and I'm hoping to share cool stuff that the Blood Strike proof of concept footage that we dropped it was dropped on Instagram. It's it, there's good reason to give that follow. 
And I, uh, I thank you in advance for all the interactions that we've had and continue to have and will have in the future on Instagram. Over on Facebook, I have a group. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. It is a, just a great group. We discuss so many of the topics and conversations that start here on this podcast continue in more long-form uh, ways over in that group. It's a great group. It's super positive. We keep it high with great energy. And uh, there's, there's drawing contests. Uh, th- those are administrated uh, and looked over by my fellow administrator and moderator, a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. Either Terry or myself will click you on through. If you go to Facebook and you search Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond, uh, that's where we're all hanging out, talking comics, sharing art, uh, having fun. Come join us. And we look forward to seeing you. And we'll click you right on through. And you can be part of our little Facebook group party that we're having each and every day. I am just so thankful that you collect my work, you listen to my podcast. Deadpool, Batterblood, the final chapter in the five-issue miniseries. We wrap it all up. Spider-Man, Venompool, Cable, Wolverine are all fighting on, alongside Deadpool in this climactic chapter with all, where all the villains, all the bad guys come to a head. We have some twists. We have some turns. I think you're going to be uh, uh, entertained and uh, excited by how we leave the story, but you got to grab it October 18th. It's in your comic stores, Deadpool, Batter, Blood 5, issues 1, 2, 3, and 4 have been coming out all summer, June, July, August, September. We are going to wrap it up. I can't wait to share it with you. Please don't miss out. Ask your uh, retailer to reserve a copy. Retailers love nothing more than to see Rob Liefeld books disappear off their shelves. They seem to order them to the bone. Uh, not a whole lot left is is what I've been reported uh, again and again and again. So you want to get there early. You want to get there um, often and, and get it while supplies last Deadpool batter blood number five, October 18th in stores. Hey, the end of every episode, I wish you all the best. I'm gonna do it again right now. I hope that you are doing great mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I hope that you have taken the time off that you need. Uh, take a day, take, take an allocated amount of hours, get in that recliner, that sofa chair, uh, go to the movie theater, have a great dinner with your wife, your partner, your family, uh, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, uh, you, you, you just have, have a great breakfast. Uh, I get away last week. I had, I had breakfast with my high school buddies. Yes, I have my friends from 1985. We are still pals. We get together. We have a breakfast. We have the best times. We've had a great bond. That just enriches my soul. We don't do it often enough. About six, seven times a year is when we all get together. But that time and that drive away after we have hung out from 7 to 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning, I am just pumped. I am ready to go. I did that. I, I did that to, to, to partake in their energy and interact with them. And uh, I, I am so emboldened. It was the distraction I need. It was ground, around great, great, great meals, hot chocolate, pancakes, eggs, sausage, great bacon. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. A meal. Uh, fellowship, find somebody, hang out with, get, do that for yourself. Maybe mix in a comic book or a graphic novel. Cause if you didn't think that I already uh, was into one prior, cause I wake up really early or grab one right when I got home. Of course I did. And did I have a, did I have a Reese's big cup to boot? I did. And, 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 and those were, were filled with, with, with potato chips that day. And, and uh, that's, that's our, you know, we just take them when we get them. But right now it's Halloween season. And I may even prefer the pumpkins and then the Christmas trees to follow and then the Easter eggs to even the big cups. But, you know, this isn't a paid sponsorship for Reese's. I'm just a fan. So anyway, rooting for you. Hope you're doing well. Get off the treadmill of life. Take some time out for yourself. Reboot. Get that new energy. 
and go back at it. And there, here is a fist bump, boom, 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 right straight through the mic from me to you, wishing you all the best. Please come back and 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 uh, and, and 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 listen for me. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be waiting. We will most definitely, absolutely, and inevitably talk again real soon. Thank you.